Greetings, and welcome to Broken Boxes. We are humbled to share an episode featuring transdisciplinary artist Guadalupe Maravilla in conversation with recurring host Chinupa Hanska Luger. Guadalupe Maravilla is a transdisciplinary visual artist, choreographer, and healer. At the age of eight, Maravilla was part of the first wave of unaccompanied, undocumented children to arrive at the United States border in the 1980s as a result of the Salvadorian Civil War. In 2016, Maravilla became a U.S. citizen and adopted the name Guadalupe Maravilla in solidarity with his undocumented father, who uses Maravilla as his last name. As an acknowledgement to his past, Maravilla grounds his practice in the historical and contemporary contexts belonging to undocumented communities and the cancer community. In this episode of Broken Boxes, Guadalupe speaks with Chinupa Hanskaluger about the current creation story of Mariposa Relampago, a school bus being reworked into a new healing sound work. The artist reflects how this artwork journey is becoming so much more including multiple communities involvement, several countries, and even a volcano. We hear how migration routes are reflected throughout the visual language of Guadalupe's practice, including the autobiographical nature of the artist's own migration story as a child. Guadalupe unpacks a bit on how he strives to create sustainable microeconomies through his art-making process, and we hear about how his art practice also becomes a vessel of support for new asylum seekers arriving in New York City. While in tandem, the artworks provide sound healing for those recovering from trauma, including centering healing for cancer survivors. Rounding out the conversation, Guadalupe shares how maintaining well-being for mind, spirit, and body through daily ritual aids in the strength needed to continue to carry out the work and support forward. And Guadalupe implores us to find time in our daily life to nurture inner health as we do the outer work. Please visit the link in our show notes to donate to Guadalupe's efforts in supporting new asylum seekers arriving in New York City. Thank you, Guadalupe, for participating in Broken Boxes. Hey, there you are. How's it going? (laughs) It's well. Yes. How you doing? You've been busy, huh? Going everywhere. Yeah, we just got back, or I just got back. I had to do another quick, quick run to New York and then Detroit, and I've been home for like two weeks now, which has been pretty cool. And I'm here until January, so I've been painting. I've, I haven't painted in a long time, so I was like, "Oh, really? Right. Yeah, That's yeah." Fine. I started making a weird painting just to like test my chops before I actually. I'm waiting on canvases to come from <laughs> someplace. I, I, I hear you. I mean, at some point I want to paint too, but it's just like, yeah, I need to kind of experiment first before you start putting them in shows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it if, you, if you haven't done that in a while. Totally. And I haven't. It's been like eight or nine years since I've oh, wow. started, you know, put some put some paint down. So it's been, it's been pretty nice actually because I just set up like down here. My studio is like um, 50 yards down the, down the hill from, from my house. Amazing. And so now there's not enough room in there for these canvases there. I'm painting on teepee skins, so they're like big. Mm. But uh, yeah, anyway, it's been fun. How about you? I've been seeing some of the progress on Mariposa Relampago. Relampago, yeah, yeah. Relampago. Yeah, yeah. so 
yeah, we're, we're still chopping, still chopping her up. It's not gonna look nothing like a bust afterwards. Like we're taking the whole front of it off, like this week. Well, chopping, chopping, chopping. Like the only thing that's left is like the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> that's still a bus. <laughs> I know. Everyone's like, "Wow, like you took everything out, so why even get a bus?" <laughs> wow. Yeah, why not start with the flatbed? What's what was the intention behind that? No, so I mean, it's I'm making a film around it, so it's pretty crazy because I I bought the bus in in El Salvador, and um, the whole intention is like these buses are made to you know to move children around. So mm-hmm. I was I wanted to retrace my own migration route from El Salvador to to the U.S. Anyway, so this this whole thing turned into really complex. I mean, maybe we should record this or. I don't- yeah, we are we are we recording, oh, we are right recording now. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay. but I will say. Um, Let's let's start it off proper. Hello, Guadalupe. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to introduce yourself kind of in the way that you introduce and then we'll dive into it because I think it is uh, the good story. Yeah. Hey, no, thank you for inviting me. It's exciting. Um, I am an artist, but I guess the term for artist is, is I'm challenging that definition often, right? With everything that I'm doing with with my work as a healer, my work as an activist my work of just providing care to my communities, right? Whether it's the cancer community or the undocumented community or anyone that's marginalized. You know, I feel like I, I feel like I'm part of that, that community. You know, like I, I say, I, I always say I'm an artist, but I, I'm still kind of trying to figure out what that means uh, myself, because like, I feel like whatever I do in the art world, as, as much prestige as it gets, it will never hold up to what I can do for a community, especially if I'm helping people, you know? So yeah. I guess really reimagining what, what, what is an artist, because a lot of people have the interpretation of an artist that just kind of sits in the corner and just paints and just tries to make money off of it, you know? Totally. <laughs> but, uh, I, I yeah, feel like so. how you defined it right at the beginning, I was like, yep, that's, that's what an artist is. That's what an artist is, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, because you relate to it as well, so that's why I feel like you get it. But usually, the rest of the of the planet sees it very differently, you know. Yeah, well, that's that's marketing. That's mar- <laughs> I was in a, I, I was in a, you know, every time I get in an Uber in Mexico City, they're like, okay, hi, what do you do? Like some of these the Uber drivers ask me, and I'm like, I'm an artist, but I'm just like, maybe I, could, I have to stop saying that because they don't. They just think I just sit around and just paint and just stay in the house, like <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Totally. I I was using the term social engineer. I was like, I'm I'm a social engineer. <laughs> That's great. I'm gonna borrow that. Yeah. Ingeniero social in Spanish. I'm gonna tell the next Uber driver that asked me that. <laughs> because I think it does it does fall into all of the lines that. I mean, even through the the marketing scheme of artists, right? Like how we're bought and sold on on this larger kind of like um, thought wave pattern of of the populace, right? Is like this person, like you said, sitting in the corner, painting a picture, selling it to make some money. That's like the the dream aspect of it, you know, like this like <laughs> tiny little you know tip of the iceberg kind of story, you know. Um, and it's like. Yeah, yeah, but what had to go into even even if that is your jam as an artist, you know, even if you are a person who who has the luxury to sit in the corner and paint a picture and make some money off of it, you don't understand like all of the layers underneath 
that aspect that's totally social, like absolutely social, even at that like very basic level. Where do your paints come from? D did you weave your canvas? No, who who made your canvas? Exactly. All of these stories have layers and layers and layers of social yeah. engagement, community building, whether you know them or not. We're working together to create this little tiny bit that's marketed and sold, right? But I think, you know, artists like yourself who understand that depth of complexity and, and want to be accountable to all of those layers of support. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's a question of like, do you, do you want to be accountable to them? We have a economic system. We have capitalism working in the world that'll allow you to just sit in the corner and paint a picture, but simultaneously you're still moving economy, you know, in these ways. So do you want to be accountable to that movement? You know, that's why I was like, I'm a social engineer. I'm like, we have to work with so many people who get <laughs> yeah, to work, totally, totally. you know, get totally. to like, yeah, lean into it. No, totally. I'm totally borrowing that term. Thank you for that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I, hopefully that's the new definition of us working in this, in this industry, because art has always been that, you know, it has been a point of engagement with your community you're communicating at the at the base right at the basic level it's a communication process so who do you talk to who's your audience what's the voice that you're you're wanting to amplify if it's not just your own is it an extension of that is it your community there's like depths and depths of that position and and uh and and uh, i heard this somewhere i can't even remember where it was but it said like artists are the most dangerous uh people on the planet because we have, we work in these like high tiers and have access to power, you know, in these, in these mm -hmm. positions. And yet we have uh, relationships from the base. So you end up communicating like the foundation of the human experience to higher points, uh, you know, power and power structure and policy. And you're kind of accepted through all of those, you know, and the acceptance is like, you're either a genius or a madman, you know, like, <laughs> like that's, and you're both simultaneously, right, you know? So, right, right. so it, yeah, the, the like expectation is reduced as, as a person working in that space. Like you enter into a, into a place and you say, you're a social engineer, you're going to have a whole different relationship to the people that you're engaging with. Um, if you say you're an artist, then they're like, eh, okay, we'll, we'll work with this artist, you know? It's like <laughs> yeah, finger totally. quote, you know, so totally. it's, it's totally. interesting. Well, uh, um, right before we did this introduction, we started talking about, uh, this project. So if you wanted to just re, cause I'm, I'm really yeah. interested. I love the <laughs> intersection of art and just like transportation and movement and, uh, vehicles. Like I'm, I'm, I think it's a, a, I'm really excited to hear about it. And I would love you to share that with us. Yeah, no, totally. So I've really been thinking a lot about you know, going back to El Salvador, where I'm from, and, and working, somehow working out of there. But because of its political climate, it's been very hard for me to go back there. So over the years, I've been really focusing on my migration route, which is the rest of Central America and Mexico. So that's where I've been coming to, uh, to find materials. You know, my work has a lot to do with creating microeconomies. So in Mexico, I've been finding objects that has specific energy, right? And they become part of my my sculptures and my paintings. But also I've been able to come to Mexico and really explore that microeconomy by hiring 
painters, uh, retablo painters that I hired to make my paintings, um, I design them all. I'm 100% author and I give them a digital file and they just paint it from there. I also have a stone carver now that same thing. I design it all and I give him a model and then he carves it out of stone, volcanic rock. And These are those backpacks, yeah? Yeah, the backpacks and a bunch of other things that he's making for me. So, but again, like I'm coming here to actually create a microeconomy and not to try try to save money, right? I'm, I'm going to make sure these people are getting paid really well for their labor and what the work that they're doing. Um, so that's really important for me. So basically, I've been kind of working it this way for the last several years. Now... Um, I'm doing this project at the ICA Boston at the watershed with this gigantic space. So I was like, okay, how do I fill this massive space? Uh, have you been to it at all? No. And I, it's like a gigantic warehouse. They used to make boats in there. So I got to fill that whole space. So I'm like, okay, how do I fill this space? So, <laughs> Try boats. <laughs> <laughs> instead of a boat, I decided to make a bring a bus in there and fill the bus. That in addition to like a bunch of other sculptures and objects. So what happened was I was like, okay, so I'm going to buy a bus in El Salvador and then have this bus, you know, the bus, like a yellow school bus that originally come from the U.S. After they end their life here, they get resold to Latin America and they get rebuilt and used uh, for transportation here. So I bought this yellow bus thinking of how children get moved around in these buses originally. And I was thinking about my own migration, right, which is I was unaccompanied, undocumented child. I migrated from El Salvador all the way to the U.S., right? So I was like, what perfect object would be for, for this bus to have similar migration? And once I, once I get my hands on it, it's going to turn into a vibrational healing instrument, completely deconstructed and turned into a vibrational healing instrument. So that was the plan. Then I, I got an assistant in El Salvador, and I got a lot of help down there. And I've been doing this virtually. So I hired a, a tata, which is a Salvadorian curandero, a shaman, a lawyer, and a mechanic to look at the buses. So, and they're making a film around this. So the mechanic and the shaman got in there. And, you know, there's a lot of violence that has happened in El Salvador. It's been one of the most, um, the highest rate of homicides in the world for the last, last 20 years. So I wanted to make sure that this bus doesn't have energy like that, that really bad things happen in there or like really uh, heavy things happen in there. So especially it's going to become a healing instrument. So I hire the shaman to make sure that it has the proper energy. What's the name of the shamans again? Tata? Uh, tatas. Tatas. Um, tatas. Yeah. So basically the, so he went in there and, and checked it and made a film and he talked about it and the, the energy is cleared. Right. And he blasted on top of it. Mm. So, then the mechanics are cleared. Then we had a, like five or six buses to choose from, and they all kind of, some of them weren't good, some of them were good. The lawyer decided it was all good, the paperwork was good. After we started dealing with customs, because that's to go to Guatemala, Mexico, and the US. We would clear Guatemala and Mexico, but we did not clear the US uh, customs because it needed, they needed more paperwork. They wanted to know the whole history of it because it came from the US originally. Once we started digging deeper, we found that the bus, uh, a Chinese company, had stolen these buses from the U.S. and took them to El Salvador and resold them in El Salvador. And this company was under FBI investigation. 
and this bus, no way it can make it in. What? So we're dealing with lawyers and all this for two months. And I'm like already in Mexico waiting for the bus to arrive because it's, I'm going to really work on the actual bus in Mexico City and transform it. Um, so I've been kind of waiting around for the bus to arrive. And you can't imagine, like, I, I never get stressed out about art. This is the first time I ever got stressed. Like since 2012, I have not gotten stressed about art. And I got this bus stuck in El Salvador trying to figure it out. And after two months, I lost two months of production that mm. we actually needed. Now I have three and a half months left to finish this thing. So we're way behind. So I said, okay, plan B. What is plan B? That, so that's we, what you get for calling it lightning. You got to do it <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, Mariposa Relampago. So basically, plan B was to actually get, uh, we found another bus in Mex close to Mexico City, Michoacan. Same bus, same exact bus. We brought it over and we started dismantling it just like last week. But I was like, okay, so I lost the whole migratory path that I wanted this bus to have. But then this, my assistant found, my assistant in El Salvador found this amazing man that makes these cardboard models of buses. He just makes a living of making these models of buses. So he, he went out and made me three models. One is the bus in El Salvador that's stuck down there. The Mexican bus and one of, uh, of, of a prototype of what the bus may look like in the future. So then I was able to, again, thinking about the microeconomy, I hired the four curanderos, one in their 270s, 280s. And we chose the Volcan de Salvador. It's in San Salvador. And I wanted them to go to the crater and perform a ritual to release the buses. And we chose... Also, a Salvador bus, you can drive most of the way and then just walk 20 minutes to the crater and do the ritual. And, you know, and then I sent a scout to make sure it was like easy and safe for 82-year-old, two 80-year-olds and two 70-year-olds to make this trek, right? So everything was clear. They showed up with the two model buses and the whole film crew, they're making my film. And I gave them exactly like the shots that I wanted and everything. But when they got there, the, the head tata was like the spirits are telling me that we have to go in the crater and <laughs> the film crew's like that is super dangerous they're like these makeshift ladders that you have to go down very steep parts you guys are in your 80s like no and he said this is an order from the spirits there's no choice this is an order we're going yeah <laughs> and i didn't know any of this was happening <laughs> i'm in my studio in new york working on the show, and I'm like, they call me at 10 in the morning, and I was texting them. I was like, where, where are you guys at? It's 4 p.m. I haven't heard from you guys. Everything okay? It should have taken like an hour and a half. Um, nothing. 7 p.m. Nothing. 8 p.m. Nothing. 8:30 p.m. My phone rings, and they're FaceTiming me from inside the crater. They're still in there, and it's dark. And I'm like, like, wait, what is happening here? Why are you guys still in there? <laughs> And they told me the spirits told us we have to go in. So they went down to the crater, super dangerous. That's not what they were supposed to do, but the spirits don't do this. And they perform a ritual with the model buses and they release the energy. First, the Mexican bus, the ritual was for it to become a really powerful healing instrument and do its do its work, do its healing work, right? Become this, this healer. The other one, the other part of the ritual was to find out what's going to happen to this bus in El Salvador, 
mm. and for it to find its place, whether we sell it back or if it needs to be donated to an indigenous community that lives remotely, that has no access for their kids to get to school, maybe the bus could be used for that. Whatever it needs to go, let it find its path, right? So that was the ritual. So luckily everything kind of worked out and the Tatas and the whole team safely were able to come back. But they, for them, it was a kind of like a whole life changing experience for every single person there. Right. They were all being challenged by the spirits in different ways during during that journey. So yeah, that that's not what the the whole plan was, but that's what it turned into. Right. So <laughs> yeah, we make plans, but then the spirits are like, <laughs> yo, <laughs> you gotta go in the crater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so basically the film is was made and I have no idea what I'm getting, you know, and then I'm gonna start editing this thing. So so anyway, so yeah, so now, now I'm at the point that I'm in Mexico City and those little buses, the miniature buses are the ones that are going to do the migratory path. The models? So the models are going to come by land to Mexico City and then by land to Boston. Okay. So they're going to continue to do the migratory path that I wasn't able to make. And they're also coming, they're bringing back 60 volcanic rocks from El Salvador, from the same volcano. Mm -hmm. along uh, with the buses and they're also going to have the same migratory path and these rocks will be part of mariposa relampago it's like imagine mariposa relampago is a big magnet of rocks and it's just going to like bloop, 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 start connecting to it so yeah and also if, if you really start thinking about what's happening with migration like it's coming all the way especially what's happening from venezuela and how migration goes goes up all the way to like like the western side of the United States, right? Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, like that's where all the volcanoes are. Yep. From the Andes, Central America, all the way through Mexico, all the way into the, you know, where you guys are, and you know, into into the mountains there and the Colorado yeah. Rockies and all that. All the way up into Alaska mm -hmm. and the Aleutian mm -hmm. Islands on its yeah. crest over to Asia, you know? Yeah, like... no, exactly. So, and if you think about all the migration that's been happening for the last few decades and, and actually for, for generations, because um, there was trading routes all the way from Peru all the way to the Native Americans in, in, in the U.S., mm -hmm. these trading routes. So this migration path is nothing new. No, you know? especially in the sense of like even the um, the models of the of the buses. Right. It's like a symbol of a thing. And, you know, not just goods and people were traveling across there, but also like ceremonies, you know, like all of these different models of how to be also were transported as people were interacting with one another. And you see these like influences up and down. Mm -hmm. I mean, shit, corn, corn's a great model of that, you know, a great yeah. example of the migration of an idea and, uh, and a technique where it's like, here's a, here's a model mm -hmm. <laughs> act cool. accordingly. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so right now I got three and a half months to turn that bus into Mariposa Relampago. So we're just on it. So I got a great team here in Mexico city. And the reason why I chose Mexico city to, um, transform the sculpture is because I feel like this is where I had my own transformation mm. as, as a child, as I was migrating north, right? So I felt like it was really important. I didn't want to transform it in the States. It had to be, it had to happen along the way. Yeah, it happens along the way, right? Like yeah, transformation. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So 
Yeah, so that show opens in, in May of 2022 at the ICA Boston. So let's see what this thing looks like because now I'm, I'm at the point where the bus is talking to me. It doesn't want to look this way. It has to go that way. So I'm listening to it. I just did a meditation this morning and he told me, I don't want to be a bus anymore. I want this whole piece chopped off. So I'm actually mm. going to them and be like, okay, guys, we have to cut off this whole front part of the bus. So <laughs> we're going to start chopping <laughs> as soon as I get there. Well, that's great. I mean, oftentimes the, um, and I know this just from working with like repurposed materials, right? You you see something in the material itself and then through the process, you're like, oh, I have to transform it entirely. Like it's not, the thing that was interesting to me is not interesting to the object itself, you know, where it's like, <laughs> you know what? I did my bus thing. Like I want to be, I want to be something else. We're all working together. Like hook me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And some of the people are working at fabrication studio. Just like they, they said, it, they're joking around. They're just like, pretty soon you're just going to have the tires left. But after I show up to, they're going to be like, Oh, you're really going to have just the tires left from the original bus. Cause I'm even changing the whole floor because it's going to become a vibrational healing instrument. So everything's coming out. Everything engines coming out. Everything's coming out. There's a there's a song in the U.S. that goes the wheels on the bus go round and round. Uh, <laughs> they don't know. sing about the top of the bus. They don't sing about the windows uh, or the engine. They talk about the wheels and they go round and round. <laughs> Amazing. Love You're like that's what a bus is. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Love it. Anyway, so that's kind of like what I'm doing right now. So it's it feels like a soap opera. It's, it's tell me what it needs to be. What needs to happen? I'm just kind of going with it. It's forming itself. The whole buzz, the whole film, everything is just kind of doing its own thing. You know, I've kind of planted the seed and now it's just kind of growing its own way. It's like, you know, always, I, I feel like art making is like a garden, you know? It's like I planted the seeds of this project and it's kind of growing. I don't know what shape the plants are going to take, the sculptures are going to take, the film's going to take. I'm just kind of making sure that it gets the light and I'm watering it and I'm taking care of it and giving it love and care and affection, all this, and we'll see what it blossoms into. Yeah, um, but I think that there's a there's a certain intelligence in accepting that like in our world there's there's so much intention around, you know, once again, this artist sitting in the corner painting on a on a painting. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but they're in relationship with the materials that they're working with. And I don't mm -hmm. think that there's enough uh celebration of that, that even an artist working alone is in collaboration with the material. And the amount of information that's exchanged from something that's considered inanimate to something that's considered intelligent. And you're like, no, no, no. We're both we're both real smart. We're we're both made up of elements in similarity. We're both a part of this universe. Like there is communication that happens between a human being and the things that they work with. But there's not enough conversation around that exchange. That like, yeah, yeah, we make work. We, you know, I'm an artist. I make things for sure. But the things that I make also make me. Like that. Mm -hmm. That's that's an exchange. We're we're both transformed in the process. So give the material credit. You know, um, <laughs> but I think through that process, like you're saying, like you're making a film, you're building these things and you said it's like a soap opera. And I'm like, <laughs> soap operas are good TV. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's it's totally designed to be interesting, <laughs> to catch you, to make you want to see it again. Like this is yeah. a gift that the universe is giving you. All of these complications <laughs> become the drama of the story, well, you know? Yeah, totally. And you got to you know, go in the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> totally, right? We got to go in. Yeah, I mean, 
And I guess, I mean, that's life too, you know? It's like, sometimes I feel like when we get challenged the most, people are like, oh man, this really terrible thing is happening to me. But so many times we're not listening to the message that is telling us, right? So I feel, I take the same approach to art making. Um, this I was super challenged by by what happened with that bus, but actually turned out um, and I just need to be like, stay calm, be patient and trust the process and just like really trust this whole thing. And it, and I did. And it really started to kind of happened. The minute I just gave into it, I was like, I can't, I'm not going to force this one. It, it doesn't want to come here. No. Um, and I, I mean, if you were designing this from the get go and you were like, I want the FBI involved. I want uh, 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 transnational corporations doing shady shit. I want all of that involved in the story. And going into volcano. (laughs) Totally. Like if you planned it, it would have been difficult. But just like accepting what's coming. These things are all a part. I mean, even the migration of people. Like think of the impact of, of FBI surveillance and like all of the shit that they're up to. Plus, like transnational corporations, like these are all parts of the story that push people in and out of landscapes, force them to adapt to radically new, different experiences is because of all of these like weird influences coming in from so far away. But those rippling effects end up affecting people on the ground, you know? And so I'm like, wow, this is wild. Like, it's complicated for sure, you know, but <laughs> it's the the story becomes richer and richer as like a way to express it. And we're not done yet because we still have three and a half more months. So let's yeah. See. So and <laughs> and also, happened. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not done yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were mentioning something about the volcanoes, and I was particularly struck by the the backpacks that are being carved out of lava rock. And, and, you know, as you're telling the story of these like, things becoming magnetic and like drawing all of this energy back towards through this movement, I, when I first saw that work, I was like, it made me think of like what a burden is, you know what I'm saying? Like what it means to carry something and the transformation of a, of a backpack into stone and then lava rock on top of that, you know, which is just like purely elemental stone. Yeah. I just, if you could dive in a little bit deeper and tell me kind of like what you're concept yeah. was around that it's all, it's all connected you know so i mean again i was part of the undocumented unaccompanied children the first ones that came from central america to the u.s in the 80s and i had a backpack right like my whole life like was in that backpack um whatever i was whatever the the adults that like sent me over put in that backpack's all i had you know and and a lot of the work that i do is volunteer as helping the undocumented community in New York, whether it's by creating uh, fundraising events to starting GoFundMe to like uh, helping move like produce, right? Or just to do any of the healing work and or just be there as, as uh, someone they can talk to about selling into New York City. I, I really think a lot about how I can give back, right, to the communities that are really struggling. So that's a big, big part of, of who I am um, as a person. So just really think about like the backpack itself. And like you were saying too, is like this is this this burden, is this weight, right? That and it's also all of everything that you have, it's in that backpack. So just imagine leaving everything behind, just taking whatever you can fit in the backpack, that's all you got. So 
So that backpack for me is very, it just symbolizes so much, right? And also just carrying this backpack for three and a half months by land from Venezuela all the way to the United States or two and a half months like I did from El Salvador to the U.S. And, and just that that weight, right? And this is like almost, um, but it's also almost like a, it's a backpack, but it's also almost like a life vest, right? Mm-hmm. Because everything you have is there. But just thinking about how even a light backpack can get so heavy after walking so many hundreds of thousands of miles by land, anything that you're carrying all of a sudden becomes heavy, right? Even like a water bottle can get really kind of heavy if you're carrying it for hundreds of thousands of miles, right? So the weight of, of that backpack, but not just the, the actual physical weight, but the emotional weight that you're, that one carries when they're migrating and escaping violence, right? That emotional weight that that we carry, that we have to learn how to heal and release uh, once we reach safety. Yeah. yeah. So that's how, and also I was mentioning before how also the volcanic rock itself, you know, the migratory path follows the same path as the volcanoes from all the way from the from the Andes all the way to the you know the Rockies in in, in the U.S. Right, same migrants beyond. So these migratory paths have been happening for many, many, many generations, but also it was vital for the packs to be made out of this volcanic rock because it just follows the same path. So that's kind of like where, I mean, it's like such a simple object, but it's so layered with so many things, you know? Yeah. I mean, pull out even from that experience, the land itself is moving. Mm. Like there are people moving across it, but where do all of these volcanoes and stuff come from? It's because these entire plates, you know, these things that we consider ours, you know, like this is my land. Like, <laughs> Right, yeah. right. If you stay where you're at, eventually it's going to leave you, you know, it's moving, it's moving the whole time, you know, and like this idea of movement and transformation and transmutation and shift and all of this stuff. This is a constant. This is a constant on the planet. Like these things are always moving. They always have moved. They will continue to move long after us. Yeah. There's something really cool about that. Mm. Mm. Wow. So you're in Mexico City. Yeah. How long how long are you there? Cuz I know you travel quite a bit too and you're kind of kind of here and there and moving around. So are you there for a minute where you can kind of like catch your breath? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is like in in you know, I have to go back to studio in New York every few weeks because I have my own st- the studio running over there. So, um in New York City I cannot catch my breath because I have the studio practice but also the church where I work with on documenting communities there as well. So the minute I set my foot into New York, it's just, I don't even have time to see my friends when I'm there. You know, it's just like all, everything goes into these two worlds that I'm like inhabiting. Coming to Mexico City has actually been really healing for me. Coming here, like today I woke up at six in the morning, it was still dark, I lit some candles, I lit some, 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 you know, some smoke and some sage and some Palo Santo, cleanse the space. I meditated, I did all these rituals, and I was drawing in the dark at six in the morning with some tea and just like really in peace, you know, and I can't do that in New York. Um, and I kind of had a really, I did a lot by, by like 10 in the morning before I even talked to you. I was like, I had done so much. So for me, being here has been such a healing space. And then boom, now I'm going after this and I'm going to go right to the bus and just get physical with this thing. But it's just been like... um 
it's been really nourishing for me to be here and have that that peace of mind that I don't really get in New York. You know, because in New York City, like um, just working with, uh, I guess what's happening in Venezuela right now, like that um, there's, I think, almost 30,000 people that have migrated in five months just to New York was for what's happening with the political situation there. And I don't know what's happening anymore, like with Texas sending more um, Venezuelans over to New York, D.C., in Chicago. So I've been really focusing on making sure people have coats and, and food and these kind of things, you know? So, like, I mean, I guess that's the stuff that kind of keeps me up at night. Even here, like, I can't really run away from it. Yeah. Um, those are the, so the minute I, I get back there, like, my phone starts ringing. And, and, I mean, my phone's always ringing, but it's just, like, really, it feels like I need to get right right back to the, you know, to the forefront, like, to the front lines of that what's happening there but being in mexico has allowed me to like really kind of give myself some healing energy as opposed to just giving it to everyone else all the time so that that's been really nourishing for me right now it's been really special like i actually was not expecting that it's been such a pleasant surprise yeah that's got to be challenging just going to like a place that you consider your home base or, or, or something like that. And then the burden and the weight of being in that space. Um, What do you do? What do you do to like replenish yourself when you're in it? Because I know the responsibility is also um, it's, it sucks energy, but it also provides something, but you need to be able to like rebuild and, and um, create some sort of uh, fortification within yourself to like, you know, move through all of that. Like, do you have yeah. any any points or tips or anything along those oh, lines? Totally. To like... I, mean, I, I do my rituals in the morning, no matter whether I'm here or in New York. And that's if I don't perform my morning rituals, which includes meditation, some movement meditations, uh, some playing of my harmonicas and flutes uh, for my own healing. Right. So that that's really the core in the morning. Uh, so I have to do this every morning before leaving the house. And, you know, they're a little bit shorter in New York, but here I have the luxury to even go longer. I'm going to be mm-hmm. doing this all morning here. Um, but those morning rituals are is what keeps me kind of gives me energy, gives me hope. And just uh, it really helps me uh, so I don't absorb all this trauma that that's around me all the time. And and sometimes sometimes is unavoidable because we have really difficult situations or people with really challenging stories that that just no way I can block this out and I'll just have like two or three really difficult days but during those days I actually turn on this kind of like monk mode that I talk about you know it's just like okay I have to meditate three times today or I have to take special care of myself no matter how busy I am I have to make sure that it's a really it's like almost going through like a storm basically Hmm. And I have to prepare for that. I can't just walk through it like normally. I have to have the proper gear and and just to get through that storm, right? Just to navigate through that storm. So during those times, I actually say, okay, I got to go into monk mode. I have to even fast more. I have to take care of myself more. I mean, my diet is so clean. So like usually that's really helps me also my diet. It's like I don't eat sugar. I don't eat red meat, like I don't eat gluten or or, or dairy. Like I'm just like super clean diet, just mm-hmm. most of steamed vegetables, but in some grains, but like really like I don't even snack, you know, it's just like, it's just like really like my, my way of being is like my diet is, it's along with the rituals. It's what keeps me really kind of disciplined and in, in a float mm. uh, 
how 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 I take care of myself, but not just my like just my physical body, but also my spirit, you know. Um, and again, like I mentioned, like that sometimes there are some difficult moments, but it is just about getting through that storm, um, weathering that storm. Yeah. I like this idea of even discipline, like being able to create these boundaries for yourself, for your own protection, your own strength, your own endurance, but making it ritualistic where, where it is a discipline, you know, where you're like, look, this is, you can't get in, in front of this. This is important for me. Like I have to, I have to hold on to this yeah. just as a way to, um, reinforce the the habitual nature of clean food care health mental mental wellness because there are um you're good at what you do and because you're good at doing it people are going to come to you for for that healing for that security for that safety which is why there's always this uh re- these responsibilities waiting is because you show up and that's that's not a that's not a common thing these days, you know, showing showing up and showing up hard. I yeah. do like that you show up for yourself as well in that same way. It's super important, you know, like to show up for, for ourselves. In addition to the the ICA Boston show, I'm making uh, making twelve paintings that talk about my own my, the migration ride that I took when I was eight years old, and. And I started talking about very specific details. And just this morning, I was writing, because it's a retalo, it's a painting with a story underneath it. So just this morning, I was talking, I made a retalo about um, this house that I arrived in. After, right after I crossed the border, I arrived this house in San Isidro in, in California, right at the border of Tijuana. And after two and a half months journey, you know, I was hungry. I hadn't showered. I had dirty clothes. I don't know what state I was in. Um, I hadn't seen my parents in months, in years, actually. I hadn't seen them. And just arriving to this house, I remember this house full of toys. Uh, I got there at three in the morning, and it was like this, these abuelas, these grandmothers were cooking. There was a smell of food everywhere. And as soon as I got there, I was like, I'm starving. Please feed me. And they're just like, you have to shower first when you change your clothes. And when you come out of there, we're going to have all this meal for you. Right. And I was there for three days and they were just kind of nourishing me and feeding me and taking care of me. And there was other little kids that were coming in and out from similar journeys. But I guess what I'm getting at, it's like, so I'm making an opinion about this right now. But I guess what I'm getting at is like really thinking about like, the reason why I, I tend to give a lot, especially to these marginalized communities or these communities that are struggling, that are migrating, right, that are going through cancer, is because I remember that care that I received when I was that child from so many people, right? That and that wasn't just the grandmothers, that's just when I got to the US, but everybody else that kind of went out of the way to help me get get here, right? So now that I'm in this position, um, I can give a lot back, you know? So, and that's another thing about like the artists, right? We have a platform that we can use. We can turn this platform into actually creating change and helping people. Um, So I am kind of just exploring this to the max, you know, (laughs) trying to see how much uh, my platform can allow me to fundraise or create events that people will go to so we can give back. Um, and help those that are that are struggling, right? And and also the cancer community too, because I'm a cancer survivor too. So like there's the whole other side of me 
and and all those people that I that I love that are experiencing going through cancer right now. And it's just that thing's not going away. It seems like every week I get a call from someone that I know that either themselves or, or a family member has cancer or a loved one, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just never, it's never ending right now. And it's just like, wow. So a lot of this actual bus itself will become a vibrational healing instrument. So actually the, the inside of the, of, of the bus is actually a flatbed. Mm. And people can lay on top of it. So when we play the instruments that will give it the vibration, the whole floor will vibrate. And people will actually hear the sound as medicine, but also feel the vibration of the bus. And you can get like 20 people in there at once. Um, so in itself, will be like a collective healing that like our our own, you know, ancestors and our own roots, like healing has always been communal. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of like where I'm going with this bus. Is there is there like harmonic frequencies that are like healing frequencies or does it vary on on people? I'm, I'm thinking about this because I'm like, is there a way to tune the muffler of a diesel engine to actually create like, you know, to create a resonant frequency that's like a part of it, you know? Yeah, I've actually done a performance in the past with 42 Harley Davidson's that I made them roar. And the roaring of the motorcycles became a vibrational healing uh, medicine. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I've done that in Costa Rica one time. But this one is actually going to come from actually uh, these these gongs that I use. That they are related to the ones in Asia, but they're not. They're made in the in the United States and in Germany, and they have the same uh, frequencies as planetary systems. Hmm. So, for example, like NASA discovered that the actual the sun has a sound frequency. Our own planet has a sound frequency. So they use technology to make these gongs that have the same sound frequencies as the sun, as the moon, our own planet, other planets, and so on. So these gongs will actually create this vibrational harmony with the frequencies of, of our planets. And that itself will create, turn the bus into a vibrational healing instrument. So that's where all the vibration will come from. Dang. Yeah. So that's kind of like where we are with that. And then always that's one part of a larger ritual that happens, you know, because there's like my harmonicas, there's flutes, there's there's singing coming from other uh, perform uh, uh, not performers. They're not performing. There, there is a ritual, you know. So like, um, yeah. So it's like that's kind of like a, a whole other thing. It's like a larger ritual that happens every time. So because because of being an artist and having this proximity to power and a platform, you know, and all of this sort of stuff, you were talking about the, um, you know, paying that forward and using that that sort of stuff. Have you also figured out ways to um, I think I think because the artist is celebrated as this individual, you end up bottlenecking all of this resource that's coming in and then you're and you're uh, sending it back out. Have you figured out ways to like build some sort of infrastructure within your own life and 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 community that helps widen the resources that are coming in to spread out further? Like, do you have support that are extensions of of you? You know, repre- representatives or I don't know, managers, community, a whole business <laughs> network. You know, that's like helps kind of like I mean, move through that. I think that's like in the next ten years. That's probably what direction that's going to go in. I'm not there yet, you know, like right now, I just like it's it is I'm in the forefront of everything. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to somehow create a, some sort of foundation in the future. Right. You know, 
and just name it something and and you know so so yeah that's kind of like what what the long term plan is and maybe have a temple somewhere that can kind of help people right mm. and i want this temple to be like a you know like a, a place that of healing but also like a part warehouse to receive goods to to feed people that are in need right um, have a fleet kinda, of buses a fleet of buses you know <laughs> and help transport people or bring food around and maybe have our own um I don't know, our grown up grow our own food in there. I don't know. And just like really thinking about so many possibilities. And I want it to be run by artists and, and healers, you know, this space. And I want everyone to have health insurance that works there. And I want everyone to have fair pay and so on, right? Like all these things. Mm -hmm. I have like this vision of, of creating this space. But I think that's gonna happen like later, much, much later, or maybe sooner than I think. Um Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm, that I'm talking about it with you, my hat, someone might give me a call. And exactly, <laughs> exactly. The spirits, the spirits are going to call. They're like, you got to go into. You got to go crater. now. You got to go now. <laughs> Into the crater. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there is something interesting about that. I mean, I think because we're celebrated as individuals, artists, I'm talking about in in general, because we're celebrated as individuals, we don't understand our collective power completely um we think it's you think it, i think it's my power you know what i'm saying like this is my privilege but it would be interesting to explore the like what's our collective power you know is there is there a way that we could actually radically transform the way that we're um received in culture and community you know i'm like we're, we're participating in the maintenance of culture but we are co-opted oftentimes by centers of power that are like we're going to present culture back to mm -hmm. the population and i'm like mm, the population's in the process of creating culture as well like what are you talking about um mm. i think that there's something spiritual like something religious almost as far as um i don't know this is me thinking and i'm going all all crazy no, but i'm like i love it go for I'm it like <laughs> what's what's the what's the church of the healer you know what i'm saying what's the what's the the temple of art and i think about this and i tell my wife and she's always like mm, don't go there and i'm like <laughs> i'm like we should start a religion you know <laughs> <laughs> but i i i think that there is there is something in art making and religion like religion uh, especially if you're working in multi mediums in my own practice, I'm like, there are rituals that I'm developing that are not yet ceremony, you know, like, I don't have community building and working off of these rituals. So it's still kind of like individualistic and, and experimenting with these ideas. But once a ritual becomes habitual by community, then it becomes ceremony, right? Like, and ceremony is the influx of many different art forms coming together for the people to like participate and grow and heal and learn and share and participate in the process. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know, maybe I'm just uh, uh, talking out there, but mm -hmm. 10 years, let's, so, let's, I'm, I'm, let's figure out a way to build that temple. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> and I mean, I'm already like, like what you're saying too. Yeah. Like what is the collective power that artists have? Right. And there's already a lot of connections that are like a lot of fr friends that like live in the West Coast and like yourself that are in other places that I would love to collaborate on something like that in the future. Combine all of everyone together, right? So, and I'm seeing a few artists like here and there that I love as people are right, doing these things in California. 
So we're already kind of starting to talk a little bit, help each other out. When, when I see one of like one of them going in a crisis, how can I help you guys? And vice versa, they've been helping me during this crisis with the Venezuelan migration that's happening. So that's been like really kind of beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. I think eventually, as we go forward, um, we can even go further. Well, and it's. It, I think that there's something really also profound about doing it without having like a an institutional structure. Like there are people doing this work. Like um, gratitude to you, gratitude to other other artists out there who are maybe listening to this, but uh, yeah, um, cool. aren't being named. Like there is. I, I think there's like deep gratitude to our population that is like you know striving to help and to heal and to and to share stories with one another. You know. Yeah, just last week we did a fundraiser, and this this is the first time, uh, you know, I guess I'm practicing what you're saying a little bit already. Like I collaborated with my friend Yara Travieso, and she's an artist and choreographer, you know, and she was like, okay, I want to help, I want to help you raise some money real quick, and she organized this gigantic like fundraiser party, you know, mm-hmm. had all these musicians come that volunteer their time just for a good cause. And we have we got a, a space for not for profit that gave us a space in New York City. And we had a coach ride. We raised over ten thousand dollars that night, and it was such a beautiful experience because usually a lot of the work that we're doing is so heavy and so loaded. And usually, like the only snippets of of time that I get while I'm working is when I'm doing a ceremony with my instruments um, for these communities, and that's when I get my 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 break. But this was different because here it was festive, we were dancing, we were laughing, we were playing, and we raised money, and we had a co-drive, and it was just like community. Everyone came. It felt like we weren't alone doing this. The mm. pastor came, the community from the church was there. It was one of the most beautiful days of my life, you know, like in this way, like how all these people like were here in support, and if we really need more help, they will come back. So that was that was really special, and he taught me so much. I'm still processing it, but I do feel like it wasn't just like okay, I'm not alone with the pastor to like move to mountains again. Yeah, um, we have all these people around us and some more, right? So, so what you're saying is about you know just com- like getting artists to kind of work together. It's something that I can see totally happen in the future, especially after this weekend. We have like all the same access to the institutions that we we navigate through. We have more access when we're talking about us collectively, because it's not just the um, philanthropic uh, uh, spaces and angles that operate these things, but also community and community building. Like sometimes you're so poor, all you have is money to to give, you know, <laughs> but like that's not what's always necessary, like help, labor, cooking, you know, care. The This yeah. is like... This is a resource that is generative. You know what I'm saying? Like cash, you spend it for the things that you need. Um, yeah, totally. totally. Hmm. Yeah, no. Sometimes like I, you know, when I'm looking for volunteers, I'm just like, I just need three hours a week for, hmm. for you guys to come and help in the kitchen. You know, yeah. three, hours, three hours a week, that's not a lot of time. But, no. Uh, it's, it, but if I get like 40 shifts filled every three hours, we could do a lot with that. Totally, totally. And you 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 spread out the bird, you know. Yeah, no one gets burnt out. It's only three hours a week. It's yeah. very yeah, it's very doable. Yeah, yeah. And what you receive from that three hours a week is like this is actually generative. That yeah. that donation of time and effort 
the return on that is huge, you know, if not just like, you know, the gold star and the, the feel good about yourself, but literally the energy, like knowing that that time in the kitchen feeds this many people. And it just, it, it's an exponential growth of uh, return on that time. Yeah. We also just did one. Uh, we did a, a fun, we started doing a, a clothing drive with my gallery at, at Pipidoy for a week just to, um, they're in New York city and, and it was really great. Um, and then the Brooklyn Museum saw it and they're like, okay, we can do that too. So then they did it for six weeks and we were able to receive over three truckloads, really big truckloads of just clothing and coats mm. in a matter of six weeks, you know, for the people that were arriving. So again, like everyone was giving, if everyone gives a little bit, it can just do a lot. If, if we get hundreds or even thousands of people to do it, right? So so that that was also like another kind of beautiful kind of moment that that we experienced with like as far as people coming together and helping. Yeah. Wow. I'm really glad that you joined me today. Yeah, uh no, thank you for the invite. It's been yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah. It's it's really awesome. You have definitely um we only met the one time in, yeah, in right? uh in Oaxaca. Oaxaca. <laughs> totally. But I've I've you know followed your work. We've been in exhibitions together. Yeah, um, sure, we have sure. we have mutual friends and stuff like that. But I swear the word that I said for like two months after we met was microeconomy. You know, I was like microeconomy. Ginger <laughs> <laughs> was like, well, you just keep saying this. But I'm I'm I am really kind of fascinated in that. It's just like a realization of of the uh, positional space that you hold and knowing that we work in economics in general, like, like just being aware and conscious in the choices that you make and stuff. So that's always stuck with me. I really appreciated that. But I also, um, it's one thing to like read a didactic in a museum and learn about a person's person's story. I love that we get to have these conversations now and again, that just kind of like opens up and unfolds this like, you know, a uh, uh, layered <laughs> uh, story of, of who you are. I'm I'm I, I want to share more with myself, you know, at some point, too. So uh, let's just keep cool. this uh, cool. uh, these yeah. these channels open, because I really do appreciate the work that you're doing and um, the impact that it's having, I think, is profoundly beautiful. And I just wish on you like gratitude and um, strength and endurance, you know. I, I love that you're disciplined and you know how to take care of yourself. That's that's huge. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much, Guadalupe. Is there any um I think we're gonna start rounding it out. I know you got a lot of a lot of work to do later today too. And uh is there any kind of like last minute, last word, point of insight, something that you wanted to share forward through this platform? How could how could broken bucket boxes be of service to you? Or is there something that you would like to share with our audience? Uh, yeah, like guys, I would like to plug my GoFundMe, please. Somehow, with with the podcast, yeah, I think that'll be really grateful. I mean, because like, yeah, it's just the need always kind of keeps going, you know. Like it's just like um, it, I guess like that's the thing. It's like um, I, I think it's really kind of important to like who knows what what's gonna happen next year or the following year, right? You know, like when the pandemic hit, like I was really working with the pastor to help the same community. And now we got this whole influx of, of what's happening now. And I'm just like really thinking about, you know, this is the beginning of it, right? So it feels like uh, it's never going to end. Like there's going to be a crisis of, of some sort or the other. 
And I think it's really important for us, all of us to give ourselves like lots of health, you know, self-care because we have to kind of prepare for what's happening all the time. And we're going to stop, we're going to continue to get challenged and in having our our spirit and and our body and our mental health, like as healthy as possible is, is the key going forward for everyone, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you do for you, you know, as, as a person. So I just want to kind of throw that out there as a reminder, like, please try to take take that time to sit in front of the sun for 20 minutes, mm. right? Or go for this nice walk and move your body or do that exercise or do that meditation or just eat a healthy meal if you can um, to do those things for yourself on a daily, you know, if not one of those things, all of them will be great. And if we keep doing that, like, yeah, our mental health and our physical health and everything else will just kind of follow as well. Mm. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for the invite. It's always great. Like, please, let I, I'll definitely hit you up next time I'm in New Mexico. Hopefully, I'm out there soon. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to be in New York in January? Yeah, just for like a week. Okay. Uh, when are you going to be? You're going to swim by. I'm going to be there. I think the seventeenth or somewhere around there. I'll already be back here. I'm going to be there in the beginning around New Year's. Um, but let's, we'll catch each other. Probably going to be in some show soon or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, next time we're in the same place, we'll, yeah, oh, we yeah, just yeah. we'll connect. connected. Yeah. 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 All thank right. So love much. you, man. Take care. Love you too. Take it easy. Thank you for all this. Yeah. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take it easy. Bye. Bye.